Welcome to Greener Grass, a podcast. We are your hosts, Carrie Wee and Kelly McVeigh. Today, we're so excited to have Chris Silcox on the pod. He has an amazing story. He's a stuntman. He lives here in LA and he is the man behind Spider-Man. He's an ex-gymnast and now works in Hollywood. So we're so excited to hear all about his world. Let's get started. Greener Grass listeners, this is Chris Selcox. And I have known Chris for many years. We're in the same like circus world slash Hollywood community. Mm -hmm. And uh, Chris is like, his career has just changed a lot since I met him. Tell me about how you started mm-hmm. in gymnastics and how long you did it. And I, um, I was a gymnast. I mean, I've been a gymnast since I was, a, since I was a kid. I started out when I was you know, six or seven years old, went over to, uh, my mom's classes cause she used to teach gymnastics at my gym in San Antonio, wow. Texas, where I grew up at South Texas Gymnastics oh my goodness, Academy. Shout out. I went in and I would just, yeah, shout out. It's, it's not there anymore, but <laughs> Texas is. And so Texas is San Antonio, definitely is still there. <laughs> I went there. Texas is definitely here. I'm, yeah. I'm in it. I'm in Texas right now. So the, uh, that led to me joining the, the team there. And then I spent many years doing gymnastics. And then I, um, I competed for the U.S. for a number of years on the national team and uh, got a scholarship to University of Illinois where I competed at the NCAA level. So... I spent four years there and um, yeah, I was trying to go to the Olympics at some point and perhaps at the end of my time there, I was kind of the closest I ever could be, which really wasn't even that close. I've never heard that story. It's so interesting. So now that the Olympics are coming up, do you, do you watch the trials and stuff? Are you into it right now? Uh, yeah, I am. Um, I was more, I've been more interested in the, in the females this time around just because Simone Biles is just so good, you know. She does stuff that that puts men to shame, and that's one of the one of the most amazing things I've seen in recent memory. I mean, the, she is up there with Michael Jordan, with Tiger Woods. Um, she, she, that's it's just how good she is. I, I don't know if people really understand that about her, but that's she, not even like a female Michael Jordan or a female Tiger Woods. She is up there with Tiger Woods and, and Michael Jordan. It's just, she's that good. So you said that people might not like know and understand that. And I would put myself in that category. Like, but listen, I am the girl that like watches the last dance and I watched the whole Tiger Woods documentary. Um, Not because I'm super sporty, but like, I just love the people that are like insanely amazing at whatever they do and the amount of effort and time and hard work and just focus. So like what makes her so different than everyone else? And obviously like, I know who she is, but like, I haven't dived in a lot to all of that yet. I think it's just the sheer distance between her and every other person on the planet, you know, cause normally everybody can kind of come up to a level. If somebody gets a, if, if somebody does a skill, that's pretty difficult um, soon enough, you'll see somebody else be able to do those skills and be able to kind of reach that potential. But it, there's such a wide gap between her skill level, her ease of doing things, and the next person that could even come close to her. That it's just it's like she was it's like she came from another time, you know. And I think that's what really set somebody else above. That's what set Tiger ahead of everybody. That's what set Michael Jordan ahead of everybody. They were just they seem to be they seem to transcend that time frame which they were they were competing in. There's just an extra level of concentration or maybe an extra level of talent mixed with, you know, that 10,000 plus hours of work that that they just accomplished and they did it before everybody and they love it and I think that's that's just what sets them apart. You know the the trials um I watched it on Saturday and she didn't have a good night. Basically, she can have a terrible no. night and still not even come in second because, yeah, that's that's her the thing. Difficulty you know? on everything she does is so high that points why she just blew away everybody and she had a crappy night. I mean, that's just amazing. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, and, and it's going to be the same at the at the Olympic Games. She could have an off night and still be the Olympic champion. It's 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 just mind boggling. She should compete against men, basically, and then that would be a really excellent uh, like even comparison. Like even playing her. field. Yeah, yeah, that might make things even. Might make things a little bit harder for the guys to get past her anyway. I feel like a lot of people that do have done amazing work. We've talked a lot about how it's difficult to pivot or they do, you know, do a certain thing for so long that then when it ends, they like don't know what to do next. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, We've actually talked to several people that have figured it out and pivoted really well, but you mentioned even telling about yourself that you like did gymnastics, you were competing at that high of a level, but you already kind of had a plan to move forward. Was that because of your parents or like what, gave you that ability to see beyond gymnastics in that moment? I think probably it was because I wasn't as good of a gymnast as other people were. It's because there were better people in my field than me. And I I knew that it was at least a dead end in that respect. And maybe there's something that I could do for the rest of my life that I could be uh, better than others at, or I could be a competitor at. Um, I neglected... Uh, how competitive I was for my time after gymnastics. But I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm really coming to terms with that. I'm, I'm actually a very competitive person. So whether it's in acting or stunts or uh, filmmaking or storytelling, I, I'll continue to be a competitor. And I just knew that that was an avenue that I could do until I'm, you know, until I'm in my 80s or 90s or 150s, however long we're going to live these days. And that was the, it might, I might as well start now and use whatever um, gymnastics prowess, uh, physical prowess I had to, to kind of use it as a jumping off point, you know? No, you just said jumping off. And I feel like I was just watching videos of you and jumping off feels like a very good way to describe your life. I feel like you're always jumping off of something. Yeah. Chris's, uh, Chris's parkour videos. We'll post those, um, when we, when we post social media for this episode, um, Chris, I didn't know that you were a super competitive person, but, uh, it totally makes sense. 100% because Hollywood is, it's a really, really good skill to have (laughs) to be really competitive. Sometime in the time that I knew him, the Spider-Man movie went from being, what is the tall guy's name? Andrew Garfield. They recast it. Tom Holland got the gig. And uh, Chris looks kind of like Tom Holland. Body type, exactly the same. Height, exactly the same. Can you... Can you please tell us the how you got to be stunt dumpling Spider-Man? Because this is intriguing. I don't think I've ever heard this story. It was a roundabout way of doing things because I had just started doing some stunt work in L.A. I came to L.A. after I had been a part of Cirque du Soleil, was a part of a show in Vegas, and also a part of a show in... Oh, shoot. Which, which show? Which show? We created a show called Viva Elvis ah. that was in uh, Vegas. We created it in Montreal, and it was at the okay. Aria Casino for about three years. And um, that was a great time. But after that, I got a job at a show called Iris, the French-Canadian. Iris. Iris. Uh, Iris. And uh, we um, performed that show in Hollywood. It was at the Dolby Theater, formerly the Kodak, where they, where they have the Academy Awards. So we performed there for about a year and a half. And after that, I stayed in L.A. because there was a, I had a job in L.A. and I, I had wanted to work in film and TV in some respect, but I didn't even I didn't know in what respect. Uh, I mean, I had gotten an acting degree, but it just seemed like there were so many actors in L.A. and I didn't know what the hell you know what avenue to mm-hmm. to go through you know in order to break into that that side of it. But I had gotten a couple jobs from friends and from acquaintances who knew I was in the show and who kind of worked on the fringes of it, and that kind of began my entrance into stunt work. And um, that was, you know, really sparse at first. It's very difficult to get any jobs in the entertainment industry, let alone, you know, a stunt position and either as an ND stunt person or a utility stunt person or doubling somebody in the stunt world. So I'd been doing a couple of different jobs on a random TV show. Um, there are these stunt websites that um, 
you can join. Um, and anybody who's an aspiring stunt person should be a part of them. They're, um, they're about five or six of them. And there's one site that is really difficult mm. to get onto because you have to have some recommendations by established stunt professionals and you have to have a, a certain number of credits in order to get on them. So I had, you know, like the minimum amount and just enough credentials to get somebody to say he's okay and he can be on that site. Because of that, it was basically three days later, I got a call or got an email from uh, this guy named George Cottle. And I was like, who is this guy? And he was asking for my sizes. Oh. So I I gave him my sizes and everything. And yeah, he had a group of about 12 of us in this big email chain. They had to get, um, you know, one of us into a, a costume. And that costume ended up being for Tom Holland or Spider-Man. And there are, you know, this big list of really, really well-accomplished stunt guys in the industry. I mean, really, really talented, talented guys. My other two um, stunt doubles on the film were David Elson and Holland Diaz. And, uh, I mean, I was just, I didn't know anything. Well, and you didn't know the gig either from that email. You did not know until you walked into the fitting. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, after the fitting, George uh, had emailed everybody and said, obviously, you've seen my IMDb. You've seen that there's a new Spider-Man that was cast in in, um, in Civil War. And obviously, I'm doing Spider-Man. So that's what we're doing, just so he knew everybody was, was up on it. And right. we had to keep everything very quiet and, you know, keep everything hush-hush and, you know, all of that. What kind of went into that was a lot of due diligence on George's part and our other coordinator, uh, Bryson Count's part in into seeing who had the correct skills, like the, the kind of skills they needed. And I was just one of the perfect fits for the guys that they needed. I had all of the gymnastics, the wire work, the circus, the air, air awareness skills that they needed in order to do stunts for the show. And then my other... Uh, two stunt doubles on the show, David Elson and Holland Diaz, were uh, both, both uh, an excellent parkour athlete and an excellent fighter, respectively, along with also just being really uh, great stunt guys and good, you know, good people in general. And I uh, got a call a couple days later that I had gotten the job. I mm-hmm. mean, it is the wildest thing because in that world, there's no audition. There was no um, there was no interview. There was just a check that you could do and are capable of doing the skills and that's your, um, the right size. And that's how I got my first job on a major feature film. Well, and it's, it's huge. It's huge. And things. there's a lot of movies because there's not just his, there's yeah, the other I mean, Avengers movies. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it, I mean, I, I didn't realize that at the time I was just so ecstatic that, we would be doing, you know, a huge, big budget feature film, and that it was going to be this character, this, you know, I, I, something I guess I had been training for my entire life that I was perfect for that I didn't know up until. Well, that and the point, two things that I'm thinking: know? number one, from what I know about the stunt world, it's like a really tight coil, even more than uh-huh. dancing, aerial, acting whatever, because there's no, you literally have to be in with the stunt coordinator, right? Usually. So this is kind of an, yeah. this is, well, if you're doubling somebody, I guess this is the process, but usually it wouldn't even be that type of casting. You would just have a relationship, right? Normally, yeah, you would, you would look to see who you have a relationship with, but sometimes you, sometimes you get a person that's been cast. I mean, this was Tom Holland's, you know, first big feature film that he was really starring in that he was, you know, the, what they call the number one on the call sheet for, I, I guess a team really hadn't been built around him yet. So our coordinator, George, was right. Cause other actors might already have team. people they've worked with and blah, blah, blah. And it's also yeah, really exactly. unique. This is so unique because how many feature films are you covered head to toe? So every single time, 
Tom Holland is Spider-Man, it is one of you three, and that is very uncommon. Yeah, it's it's really uncommon. But you know, to 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 Tom's credit, Tom is actually one of the most talented people I've ever met. As much of a talent as a, a dancer and a mover as I am a gymnast. You know, it's he's just uncanny, and he wants to learn, and he continues to to do really novel and really exciting physical feats uh, much of the time on his own. And, and to tell you the truth, we're, we're all talented in our own respects, but Tom oh, okay. did quite a bit of, of what, of what, what's in the film. Yeah. And, um, I mean, we, just because we're in the suit doesn't mean it's, oh. it's not Tom actually. We, we did stuff that he's not legally allowed to, you know, I mean, the really dangerous stuff. Cause you can't, you can't do the old Jackie Chan route and be out for two no. weeks after an injury or be out for months or destroy your career because kind of crazy. I mean, being dragged behind um, a van on a, you know, a silicon mat at 35 miles per hour and getting struck into some garbage cans is not something we want to act. We want to put 19 or 21 year old Tom Holland into, you know, uh, we don't want to. Oh, I'm like, okay, but you're going to jump in and do that, Chris. Like, I know that's your job, but it's like, but wait, okay. yeah. did you actually yes, do that? Exactly. One? In the film, that one is David Ellison. I did the test for it. Basically, since I was the new guy, <laughs> I got to test everything just to see if it was safe. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 right. Also you're how like it goes. you're the guy. So I got to I got to do the test. Yeah, yeah, I got to be the guinea pig, which you know was a great education for me, and I could take it. You know, it was it was it was a lot of fun, and you know maybe I didn't get to do it on the day for cameras and everything, but uh, I got to test every single gag in that movie, in either in a room or on the day on set, and uh, that's why there were three of us because they need on things like that they need to save time. You know, they need they need somebody on a second unit while Tom is filming on a first unit and they need somebody else on the third unit doing some rehearsals for what they might do the next day. And it's just it right. is just a machine. Right. So specifically for the for the shot in the film, that's David Elson, I believe. And because he was there that day and they shot that in two parts. I think they did. They took him around the corner on what we call magic carpet. So he was lying down being dragged by this van. Uh, being sent around the shocker who's driving the van, being chased away by Spidey and the Vulture. And then they sent a special effect into the garbage cans, and they actually pulled the garbage cans into this mailbox, and then David threw himself into the mailbox at the end to complete the shot. So, And I think maybe one time he got actually sent into a garbage can, just kind of by accident. So maybe they used that take too, you know? It's just kind of like, if they get it, they get it and they can use it, you know? So I feel like I'm the outsider from the both of you um, because I feel like you have to have no fear. I don't, well, maybe you have fear. Maybe that's what keeps you alive. But there's an aspect of bravery for both an aerialist and obviously all these things that you have done that I just don't have even a little bit of. Um, although I have mm -hmm. jumped from a plane. That's kind of brave, right? Oh, yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, that takes guts. Yeah, I went skydiving a couple of times, but it didn't require any talent. I just jumped out of the plane. Okay, so I well, yeah, to fall. What trust? <laughs> so you, you could say that about some of the stunts that I've done. Right. What trust do you have to have in the crew? Like, I mean, one, you have to trust yourself and your talent and what you bring to the table, and I feel like you have to have a little bit of like gut bravery mm -hmm. but you also have to, i would think have to have major trust in the people that are working on that production yeah i mean you have to have the utmost trust i mean you're 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 literally trusting them with your life because you're also doing something that literally has never been done before because you know maybe i say that it's not like hyperbole i mean literally that particular stunt has never been done in that place on that same line with those different people operating the gag ever before, because you, you know, filmmaking is creative. So you have to figure out a new and, and different approach to filming each stunt. So the same wire pull is not the same wire pull as the day before or something like that. So you, I mean, you, you really have to trust and practice and, and just kind of say, fuck it sometimes because, uh, yeah. 
you're you're probably going to get hurt if you're afraid of what the outcome is going to be. The best thing to do is to trust and to just remain concentrated and keep your head on a swivel so that if something does go wrong or a little bit wonky, you can course correct um, uh, when when that does happen, you know? No, I don't know. <laughs> but, but, but yes, I, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. Yeah, I'm just fascinated for sure. For instance, um, there is a, a moment, I don't think they even use this shot, but from Spider-Man, there is a mo- there is there is something that we filmed where we're on the the Staten Island ferry and one of the one of our stunt doubles is down below um, in the in the Spidey suit doing uh, a motion that they would connect to me up at the top and um, he would jump and I would do a Texas switch and I would land help somebody up and then you know send them into the, the ship so that they're out of safety or something. Um, there's a lot of different things happening on this. I mean, they had a huge model of the Staten Island Ferry that, Staten Island Ferry that was splitting in half and that was teetering at a, an angle. So it was, I was 60, 70 feet up in the air. And um, when you jump, when that thing is moving and then they start throwing water at you and other special effects, you just can't tell what's going to go, what's going to happen, you know? So on one one particular take, I grab, um, uh, I jump, I grab the guy who is hanging off the edge of the boat, help him up, send him into the interior of the boat. What we didn't know was that this this kind of uh, crossed gate, this kind of like crosshatch gate that extends out and then retracts, had retracted and gone down. So we couldn't get in without looking down and seeing that it's there. So the guy I sent in trips immediately and flips on the water, stands back up and then slides all the way down to the edge of the boat. But luckily there's a rail there, you know, so it catches him. I can't see anything below my eyes. So I, my shins hit the, 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 um, the gate itself. Somehow I'm able to jump over across it slide down in between a couple other pillars and run into the interior of the boat. And it's just, that's the kind of thing you can't predict that that was going to happen in practice. You know, it's just one of the things that happens when all of the things, when all of the effects are going and that will happen on every gag in every show for the rest of film history, just because they need to get a shot. You have a mask on. That's exactly what I'm saying. That's why I couldn't see below my, you know, below my chin. So you have a mask. Sorry. They, I've seen this movie. There's actually, they built a fairy that they cut in half. Yeah. You can see it in the the special features. I think Um, there's a, there's a magnificent model of the Staten Island ferry and they could just cut it clear in half. It it was really cool. It was on this big rig that, um, that um, separated them, and then it would, and then it would connect them right back into a perfect piece. It was just oh my god, so cool. the money that goes into these movies! Holy shit! Yeah, yeah <laughs> I know. Like... And, well, and just the sheer engineering power, and the and the math, and the physics, and the you know everything that must go into it. It's just it, it's it's so cool though. And so there's so many moving pieces. I mean, there's moving pieces when I'm on set for doing. Oh, by the way. Chris and I, the reason why we reconnected recently, because pandemic, I didn't see anybody. We, he was a crazy chicken with me. Oh, wow. Is this real? Yes. I love this. Yeah. And Chris, they're playing it everywhere. Yeah. It's, uh, that was one of the more fun commercials I've ever been a part of. That was hilarious. I was like, oh my what? God. It, hilarious. What the and hell then- is this? <laughs> yeah. I am cracking up. She said that she hasn't. I'm like, listen, I see it all. I see it ridiculously all the time. Um, so I'm excited for both of you. Yeah. Oh, thank when you. those checks yeah. come, Chris, just, just do your money oh, yeah. dance. I'm doing it every day, you know? Yeah. I, I do a little happy dance every time I see it. I'm imagining you getting ready for the stunt. They turn on the water. Like the, the, sh- the boat is like moving like, what kind of pressure do you feel to get the shot right? Or is it not even in your mind because you're like, just do it because there's so many moving pieces? Can I say something really quick too, Chris? I feel like exactly what she just said. So 
I was talking to her about being an aerialist yesterday and she was saying in that moment, the only thing that's on her mind is what she's doing in that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there, is that how it is? You're so focused on what you're, what's happening or is it just your body knows what to do because you're reactionary and you're so good at, I, I have no idea. Well, you, your body definitely doesn't know what to do because you've never done it before, you know? So it's, it, I think it's just, I think it's another level of concentration above even competition because you, 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 your, your literal safety is, is in jeopardy. If you are not, if you're not being sharp and aware in that moment. And, and then also if you don't do it right, you're going to have to do it again. <laughs> and if you, if you can do it just once, then you survived another day, you know? So it's it, all the better for you. So it's it just, it, it's in your, it's in your advantage to make sure that you are concentrating um, because you have, you know, you have your bosses that are being looked at by producers and by directors and you want to impress them and you want to make sure that, that you're doing a good job and that, and that you, you know, that you're, you're, you're brave, you know, cause that's what they kind of expect from you in, in, in regard to being, uh, you know, to, to doing this kind of physical work for, for these films and TV shows. So th- there's a lot of pressure. Yeah. But, um, but I, I, you don't really, how does your partner feel about this? Like, does she, like, it's not like, uh, have a great day at work, honey. Uh, let me know how it goes. She's always really happy for me when I go to do something new or something exciting, a new, you know, a new stunt or something for the day. She, she's concerned. Yeah, of course. But I don't think she, she's too concerned because I, 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 I have a good record. I'm going to find some wood to knock on and paper used to be wood. So knocking on paper. I'm pretty self-aware and it's just, it's just the, you know, the, extenuating circumstances around us that could go wrong but that's i mean i guess that's in every job it's just in life you know something you know a person could run a red light or something and and you could be that car passing through the intersection i suppose that i guess that's the kind of way you have to look at it but i'd say uh, jen my, my wife she's probably she's pretty uh actually more excited every time uh, I go do something rather than worrisome. You know, she, she always likes to hear about how it went and what kind of new stuff we're doing and more interested in, in, in how we did it. And, and, and if, if I had fun and who, what new friends I made or, you know, so she's, she's not well, too, she's um, also a dancer. She's in the industry. So I think that that yeah. kind of comes with it where you, you don't exactly understand, but you have an idea. It's not like she's an accountant. Yeah, she was also you in know. a Cirque du Soleil show, and she does she did you know tons of wire work and performance and everything. So she, yeah, she gets it, and she sees stunts being performed. Um, yeah, I think it's more of an interest for her, and not so much of a concern. So, Chris, I feel like you talked about how you kind of like once you knew that gymnastics was. Um, like not where you were going to finish things, but you wanted to use those skills. Did you foresee anything like this? Like, this is incredible that this is where you landed. Um, and like, could you have even imagined, were you imagining big things like this or could, is it just like completely, are you, are you surprised yourself? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised every day that I, that I have done the things that I've done and worked with the people that I've worked with. I, I, I did not know that being a stuntman could even be a job or, or was even an option. What I've learned is that you have a really integral part on, on basically the effect of the whole show because uh, stunts is, you know, if the story is, is a book, then we're the exclamation point after a really exciting paragraph. You know, that's, that's what I've come to realize. Is we it, we may only be there for a very small portion of the book. We're there for the, the the big moments before the audience can rest again. You know. Yes. And that that's what I've come to realize, and that's what I've really and also just the sheer the sheer amount of technical engineering, not only in terms of safety, but in in rigging, in in uh, special effects, cameras, lighting, lens choice 
camera movement, uh, physical movement on camera, you know, uh, it, it's just, it's made me have a deeper appreciation for film, um, film work in general, because it is really uh, a group effort. And then it's, it's also made me respect stunts so much more than I ever, than I ever could have thought of. I mean, they're integral, integral to any show. And it's, uh, it's really a, a shame if people don't understand that. And uh, I guess I'll tell everybody that until, you know, I'm done working. Not only did you, you know, book this huge gig, but the Marvel Universe is expanding. So are you just always, you're just like, you have a job for a while. Uh, you, you'd think that, yeah. I, uh, you'd think that I was, you know, um, a part of every, you know, film from now on and that, you know, I'm Tom Holland's one stunt guy because every actor has one stunt guy, but which is not true at all. Every, every actor that you see has probably 10, 20, 50, I mean, uh, dozens of people that have doubled them throughout their lives. So it's not, that's not true in the slightest. And, you know, mm-hmm. Tom Cruise for as much as he does his own stuff will have five or six stunt doubles on any given movie. You know, it's just a myth that he likes. He likes his one guy. He does an amazing amount of work and he trains harder probably than anybody on earth. And it, it, it's, I mean, he is, he is as much of an athlete as I would consider any stunt. He piloted helicopters. He really did a lot of those. He really broke his foot on that mission impossible. I mean, that, those are things wow. that you can't deny about the guy, but to, to not acknowledge that there wasn't a large effort by a lot of other people is to kind of disregard the, the, you know, the, the group aspect that filmmaking really necessitates. Sure. I don't follow Tom Holland on all of these shows, but I, because of it, I do have a, a better bit of notoriety so that I can, you know, more easily work on other shows. And that's what I've come to find is now I've gotten to go do a lot of other fun things for other films and really widen my horizons and, and start turning those into acting roles and learn a little bit more about film and TV and, and filmmaking in general um, because of this whole thing. So I guess in that respect, yeah, I kind of have a job, but it's not, it's not what you think. So when you and I were crazy chickens... Uh-huh. On Burger King, we had uh, a shoot day and then a rehearsal day to catch up. And at the time, oh yeah, you were working for Disneyland, oh. Disney's California Adventure. Yeah, so um, the new Marvel uh, stunt show was going up, and yes, my love. Mwah. And uh, you were you were kind of tired that day. Can you explain to our listeners why you were kind of sleepy on set? In California these days, the new Avengers campus is open at, uh, at Disneyland, and um, I was uh, a part of the team who was putting together the stunt shows for the land. And uh, I don't know, I don't know who, how much I can really say about the whole process, just because it's, it is Disney and they, they like to keep their their resources, hush, um, hush. you know, close to the chest. Yes. But, uh, yeah, I, I had a, I had, um, a really good time helping them set up the stunt shows. And one of the shows there is, is a, a Spider-Man ride, a really amazing uh, show that happens for the spectators on top of the ride. So if you do make your way out to Disney California adventure, you'll see a couple really fun stunt shows. And, um, basically those, those were set up at night while the park was still operational. So when I was with Gary, I had worked all night the night before and then worked worked that day with her and then gone directly back to California Adventure to work that night again to help them set up more of the show. But it's because of my time um, on the films that I was able to um, to kind of like be be found by them and then be used to help um, create uh, these shows um, at the park. And yeah, they're really, they're really spectacular. I think they're a lot of fun. They're really surprising for a lot of the guests and you can see all of the videos online now, all of the different live actions and the characters that are running around that campus because that really is the life of that campus is all of these live characters. 
Oh, so cool. So does it, do they run around and then it's kind of like, kind of happens yeah, it's kind of like, um, out of nowhere? You can go to the campus and as soon as you get on the campus, you, things are going to start happening around you. Yeah. You, you'll, you'll encounter, uh, several different shows. Just if you wait for, for a few minutes, you'll, you might see Spidey pop up on top of the building somewhere and you might see him fly through the air or be on a, on a line. And then you might see some, some of the other Avengers be fighting each other on, uh, on another part of the park or, um, the, uh, Dora Milaje showing you uh, a bit of their skills from black Panther, uh, or Dr. Strange doing a magic show or something like that. So it's, uh, Oh my God, this is so exciting. Yeah, it was it was really special to be a part of, and um, and that that was really cool because I'd gone to you know Disney World when I was a kid, and I think my younger self would have been just ecstatic that this is what I got to do at this point, you know. And I have to say that after a pandemic year, just being able to I haven't gone yet, but being able to go to Disneyland is just it's so magical, and that's just so cool. You were a part of that because. Mm-hmm. You know, that Disney magic is just on another level. Um, and I, I did want to say, though, that no matter what, if you work entertainment in the park and you rehearse, when the park is open, you can't, they can't rehearse any other time but in the middle of the night. No, no not at all. So that's how mm-hmm. the shows run. Oh. Yep, you're always rehearsing in the middle yeah. of the night. That day on set for Burger King, it was a, you know, it was a long day, and yeah, it was longer than I had told them it was going to be too. It was long. It was a long day. It's always a long day on set, but kind of closer to the end of the day, I looked over at Chris and I was like, "Are you all right?" Because I we had talked and I knew he didn't sleep at all the night before, and he was going into an all nighter that night. <laughs> And I could just tell you were like kind of conserving energy yeah. because you were just standing with your hands behind your back and you were just waiting for the director Mm -hmm. to call the next shot. Mm -hmm. And you were like, I'm good. I am still awake. Okay. I was doing the same thing. I was, I was uh, trying to conserve. (laughs) Yes. That's all we can ask for. Um, Because I had a toddler that had not ever been away from me or her dad the whole day. Oh, really? Asa wasn't home from work yet. I didn't know how long I was going to be on set. Oh, we had a babysitter here for the first time. And oh my goodness, my, no, my toddler went on a hunger strike. <laughs> she wouldn't eat the whole time we were gone. Wow. That's so, funny. so Asa ended up taking off work three hours early to go home because oh, he couldn't. what a nice guy. His soft Aww. papa heart couldn't do it. Now that you've been Spider-Man, like what, do you have things that you like want to strive and keep going? Are you just happy that you're still working and you're learning and your name is out there? Like what's next when, when you're Spider-Man? Um, that's a good question. I mean, as a stunt person, it really doesn't get too much better than, you know, doubling the main person for a Marvel film that is superhero and that's Spider-Man. Man. Totally. Yeah, it's like the ultimate. Where do you go? Where do you go from there? When it's like one of the first things that you've done, it's like, uh, well, uh, I don't know, to tell you the truth. But I, I never strove. I never wanted. I was never. It was never my goal to be a stuntman. And it just kind of what happened. You know, it just kind of got these opportunities and had the skills that made me perfect for it. Maybe, maybe I'm, I'm not the most daring of of guys or, or, or gals out there because there are some very, very daring people who will do some of the craziest stunts that you've ever, you know, dreamed up in their life and will be happy and excited to do them. And I'm not, I, I would love to use my acting um, potential and combine those with as many stunts as possible because I, you know, you got a, you got a couple of years left when you're, when you're in your thirties and you can do some, some, um, pretty fun physical stuff still. So I'll, I'll continue to do stunt work, but I'm going to combine that with as much acting work as possible. And then also uh, continue to learn about film and TV in general, because I, I really have enjoyed learning about the technical part of filmmaking and storytelling. And I think that will, that'll, I'm going to combine all of those as the next parts of my career. So r- right now, I mean, I, I do a lot of acting roles that have a stunt uh, kind of associated with them. I was on an episode of uh, Dave on FX, just yes. uh, doing a little co-star role, and then another one on Why Women Kill, uh, the latest season. Yeah, I've had a few of those now, and I'm going to continue to do those as much as possible until I um, 
will probably just do acting and maybe I'll have my own stand up at some point. <laughs> well, I'm addicted to people. Like I'm obsessed with people and their stories and like how they get to be where they're at. And then like, I obviously like to learn a life lesson from all things, mm -hmm. but I feel like listening to you talk and everything, they always say, like, if you follow your passion and follow your heart, like the rest will come. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and I feel like that's kind of what you've done this whole time is you followed your love for gymnastics and all the, your natural gifted abilities. Um, and it led into this and now it's leading into acting. And it's like, you don't have to have a plan for every single part and piece, but you're doing what you love and you're really passionate about and what your skill set allows you to do. And it's just leading to success in the story that your life. Uh, you know, I, I've also been extremely lucky. It, it, you, you can plan up to a certain point, you know, but then from there on, you know, things things inevitably change, you know, it's called friction. It's like the, the, the difference between what you expect to happen and what you planned or what actually happens and what you, you planned for. And, um, I think adapting to that has been the story of my career, I suppose at this point. And, uh, I guess it's a good lesson for a lot of people to learn, but yeah, I, thank you. I appreciate that. I, I, um, I tried to follow, uh, what I've loved and really not, um, you know, not have even a backup plan for something that I might do if it doesn't work out because uh, it's kind of forced me to concentrate and to continue doing the things that I love. I mean, I guess at any point I could have, I could have, um, I don't know. I could have stopped trying or, or let down my guard or, um, you know, chosen a, a completely different path, but this was, this is what I had always wanted to do since I was a kid. And I'll, and now that momentum is a pretty powerful thing, once you get started on something and, and it, and it works for a little bit, um, it's easy to take that into something bigger or better with bigger, or better people. And, and as long as you don't get in the way of yourself, it seems to keep rolling on, but you do have to be adaptable. And that's really, yeah, I, I guess, I, I've followed quite um, strongly what I love, but I've also been really open to adaptation. I guess that's um, the other thing that I have going for me. But along with the luck, that's, that's very nice words from you. Thank you very much, Kelly. Now, listen, I think adapting and rolling with situations is crucial. And if you had kind of been upset and mad about the whole gymnastics and like just given up, you could have gone down a totally different path in life. So adapting and yeah. shifting and pivoting is so important. The path that I wanted to go down. Yeah. Some people don't realize that until, so sometimes they feel it's too late. It's really never too late, but you know, you do have, you really do only have a certain amount of time to really kick things into gear while you're young. So you may as well go for them. Uh, while you can, because it, you can really get stuck. Um, and it just makes it harder. So I guess go for what you want while you have the time to. Because even if you don't think you have the time, you certainly won't have more time later on. Totally. Yeah, I love that piece of advice. I've loved having you on today. Like I didn't know what to, I mean, I had obviously stalked you, I said. Um, but I didn't expect, and like you just have such a great personality and seem so kind and real. And that's always nice to have oh, a guest you. on that is famous, but humble. <laughs> I, I don't know if, if I would be on the, the, the famous, uh, pedestal yet, but We're giving uh, it thank you. We're I really appreciate that. Carrie and I have <laughs> famous adjacent. That's how I, that's how I, I, Everybody who's like on, when I consider like my level of the world is famous adjacent. Like we kind of, yeah, you, you know, like tip our toe in. Yeah, yeah. We, we have to really work alongside and aid and do, you know, a lot of work with quite famous people. And sometimes in really close quarters and, and intimate circumstances. So yeah. Yeah. Sure. Famous adjacent. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
Famous adjacent is the word. Uh, Chris, thank you so much for carving out the time. So Chris is basically on a road trip. You're like driving through Texas. Yeah. And uh, he carved out an hour for us. He's sitting at a coffee shop somewhere. And uh, I really thank you for making time. And I'm really glad that we reconnected, you know, because I hadn't talked to you in like a year or so. So yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's been too long, Carrie. Um, And uh, thank you so much for having me on. And congratulations with your... You knew your new little one and Asa, and it's wild that I know Asa from a few years back, too. Oh, yeah. So he knows Asa because he would Arvel. go to amazing. The, Small one of the world. shows Asa would play all the, the time. The Toledo show. Yeah. 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 And the way he saw it was I showed him a video of my baby daddy and my baby, and he's like, that's Asa. How crazy. Yeah, I remember. I remember him. He's he's a, a amazing drummer, amazing musician. Oh, he's he's a monster up there. My God, monster! I gotta say. Well, thank y'all very much for having me on. I appreciate appreciate all, y'all um, taking some time to listen to me pontificate. <laughs> pontificate, uh, Chris. We'll just be in touch. Um, so good to you, Chris. Thank you so much for jumping on with us. You're that. welcome. Have a good one, y'all. Bye. 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 Thank you so much to Chris Cox for being with us today. If you go to our show notes, there's a link there and you'll get a free gift from Kelly and I. Thank you so much to Asa Watkins for post-production. And if you guys would honor us with a five-star rating and a review anywhere you get your podcasts, it really helps other people find us more easily. You can always find Kelly and I at Grand Rev Creative on Instagram. Thanks so much. And you've been listening to Greener Grass. Hi, Chris. I was just stalking you. I was, yes. And I, and Google, like I Googled you, your celebrity status so I could easily I could easily Google you. Are there a lot of Chris Silcoxes in the world, Chris? There's like another one that is a lawyer. So I'm sure he's doing far more important work than I am. But uh I don't know many others. I have seen a lot of Chris Silcoxes on Google and they all look exactly like me. It's kind of bizarre. Oh my God, that's so like, funny. Yeah, I know. I was like these English European looking white boys with light eyes and blonde hair. It's really funny. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. You know what? I'm really lucky that there's not a lot of Carrie Wees. There aren't? It actually does help. No, there are not. I feel like there would be, there's like 10,000 Carrie Wees in China. <laughs> there might be, but they don't go by the English version. Maybe so it's, it works out for me because. Yeah. Maybe it's W-I. No, it's still oh, we, yeah? but they, you know, they're not, they're not using English maybe because, or, you know, the communist government just locks everybody <laughs> down. They can't get out. <laughs> You're making me want to Google myself. I've never. Yeah. Okay. Does that mean I'm really narcissistic? I Google myself all the time to make sure that my SEO. I have to do the same thing just to make sure that uh, yeah. things that are coming up about me are the things that I want. Cause you can adjust. I mean, you can, you can like edit it. On Google. You can. There's a, a thing called a knowledge panel that you can claim for yourself. Shit. And yeah. And and then you can kind of oh. control how people see you. All right. I will be texting you if I can't figure this out. But um, no, it's important because if you're like us and your name is like coming across IMDB, which is like the film, mm-hmm. you know, like if you do film and TV, you know, there can be some stuff out there about you and you're like, oh, you don't want any, mm-hmm. you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Or it can be fraud. Yeah. Or fraud or, or, um, what is it called when you, when you have somebody fishing you, what is it? Catfishing you or something like fishing. fishing you. Yeah. Catfishing you. Why, why have, um, why has that come up twice now in the podcast? Oh really? Catfishing. Maybe you, yeah. maybe you've just interviewed some really catfishable people. We had an episode about these guys who are dating online. And then they were, they were getting catfished. Like the chick wasn't who they said, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, really? That's interesting. Yeah. 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 In true guy <laughs> fashion, it was like, do you like turn right back around or do you like, what do you do? 
what did they do? That's what they were talking about. So, yeah. And the guy was like, well, obviously I slept with her. <laughs> <laughs> Guys are so obviously, predictable yeah, sometimes. Yeah, we're shame, shameless. Just absolutely shameless. Hilarious. Time to listen to me pontificate. <laughs> pontificate. Uh, Chris, we'll just be in touch. Um, so Chris. Thank you so much for jumping on with us. You're that. welcome. Have a good one, y'all. Bye. 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 Thank you so much to Chris Salcox for being with us today. If you go to our show notes, there's a link there and you'll get a free gift from Kelly and I. Thank you so much to Asa Watkins for post-production. And if you guys would honor us with a five-star rating and a review anywhere you get your podcasts, it really helps other people find us more easily. You can always find Kelly and I at Grand Rev Creative on Instagram. Thanks so much. And you've been listening to Greener Grass. Hi, Chris. I was just stalking you. I was. Yes. And I and Google, like I Googled you, your celebrity status that I easily I could easily Google you. Are there a lot of Chris Silcoxes in the world, Chris? There's like another one that is a lawyer. So I'm sure he's doing far more important work than I am. But uh I don't know many others. I have seen a lot of Chris Silcoxes on Google and they all look exactly like me. It's kind of bizarre. Oh my God, that's so like, funny. Yeah, I know. I was like these English European looking white boys with light eyes and blonde hair. It's really funny. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. You know what? I'm really lucky that there's not a lot of Carrie Wees. There aren't? It actually does help. No, there are not. I feel like there would be, there's like 10,000 Carrie Wees in China. <laughs> there might be, but they don't go by the English version. Maybe so it's, it works out for me because Yeah, maybe it's W I. No, it's still oh, we, yeah? but they, you know, they're not they're not using English, maybe, because or you know, the communist government just locks everybody <laughs> down. They can't get out. <laughs> You're making me want to Google myself. I've never Yeah. Okay, does that mean I'm really narcissistic? I Google myself all the time to make sure that my SEO... I have to do the same thing just to make sure that uh, yeah. things that are coming up about me are the things that I watch. Because you can adjust it. I mean, you can you can like edit it on Google. You can? There's a, a thing called a knowledge panel that you can claim for yourself. Shit. And yeah, and, and then you can kind of oh. control how people see you. All right, I will be texting you if I can't figure this out. But um, no, it's important because if you're like us and your name is like coming across IMDb, which is like the film, Mm -hmm. you know, like if you do film and TV, you know, there can be some stuff out there about you and you're like, oh, you don't want any, Mm -hmm. you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Or it can be fraud. Yeah. Or fraud or, or um, what is it called when you, when you have somebody fishing you? What is it? Catfishing you? Or something fishing. fishing you. Yeah, catfishing you. Why why have um why has that come up twice now in the podcast? Oh really? Catfishing. Maybe you yeah. Maybe you've just interviewed some really catfishable people. We had an episode about these guys who are dating online and then they were they were getting catfished. Like the chick wasn't who they said. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Oh really? That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In true guy fashion, it was like, do you like turn right back around or do you like, what do you do? What did they do? That's what they were talking about. Yeah, and the guy was like, well, obviously I slept with her. (laughs) 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 Guys are so predictable sometimes. Yeah, we're shameless. Just absolutely shameless. Hilarious.